0: Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: So today we're going to be continuing our series of episodes about the spoilers from Throne of Eldraine. Last time we covered the first week of spoilers. Now we are covering week two. There has been a lot of new, interesting commanders that we're going to talk about how to build around them. There have been a lot of main deck cards that have the potential to break into the format, so we're excited to talk about those as well. And before we jump into it, I'm just going to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get some cool rewards for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. So before we jump into the most recent week of cards, I want to highlight a cool take on a legend that was spoiled last week. So Sir Conrad the Grim is 3 black black for a 5-4 human knight. Whenever another creature dies, or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad deals 1 damage to each opponent. When we talked about this last week, we were mainly focusing on this triggered ability, And so we mentioned how, like with Morality Shift, you can get a whole bunch of triggers at once and probably kill your opponents, but we didn't really spend that much time talking about the activated ability, and I want to talk about a cool take that focuses way more on that half of the card. So the guys over at Legendary Creature, they used effects that let you look at the top of everyone's libraries so that Conrad could sort of lantern control your opponents and prevent them from drawing anything relevant. Basically, you know, if you have a lantern of insight out, you can see everyone's top card and like, no, I don't want you to draw that. I don't want you to draw that. Uh, And of course, there is a lot of cards that let you look at the top card of your own library so you can shape your draws a little bit. So uh, we're going to be posting a link to their list in this episode's description if you'd like to check it out for yourself. But I think it's a really creative take on a deck that that we weren't initially too high on.
1: Yeah, we weren't really looking in that direction at that point in time.
0: All right. With that, we're going to jump into... The new spoils so we'll start with kenrith the returned king this is the buy box promo it's four and a white for a five five legendary human noble he has red all creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn one and a green put a plus one plus one counter on target creature two and a white target player gains five life three and a blue target player draws a card and four and a black target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under its owner's control so
1: before we get into tech do you know can we get these in collector's boosters or are they still just a buy a box promo
0: so it is included among the booster fund variants so i assume that means if you uh buy the special packs then you can get kenrith the return king in addition to getting one from buying a box he's
1: gonna be really spency
0: i mean if you can get him two different ways hopefully that'll ease it a little bit
1: maybe hopefully he seems like he's gonna be really popular
0: i'd say that this is the most interesting take on a political commander we've seen in a while
1: Mm -hmm, i agree with that
0: i think that there's some pretty good levers here for getting your opponents to do what you want to do especially i really really like this first ability this all creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn because One mana, that's enough that I'd happily use that on my own creatures. I I like that activation cost. And then also being able to say to your opponents, hey, normally your creatures wouldn't be able to attack this turn, but I'll grant them haste if you send them somewhere else. Like, that's a great way to have your opponents attacking each other, lowering their life totals, just making it easier for you to stay alive.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing this card referred to as, like, Feldergriff for the modern age. Mm -hmm. Like, a group hug commander that's not necessarily just giving away resources that you really really care about
0: <laughs> i like that this staircase of costs gives you a lot of options in terms of like what you're giving your opponents for doing what you want normally i'm not crazy about political commanders but i like this one i think it's got some great tools in its toolbox and another reason i really like it is because there are some infinite combos with it oh there is an old card from fifth dawn it's called composite golem (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, it is a six cost artifact creature it's a four four golem and you can sacrifice it to add wooberg to your mana pool so you may have noticed that kenrith's last ability costs five mana to activate and can return a creature from anyone's graveyard to the battlefield under their control so if you keep targeting composite golem you get infinite dies triggers infinite enter the battlefield triggers Basically, you just need a third piece, and there's many, many, many third pieces that'll slot in in that case. So many that it is not worth our time to list them out. but yeah,
1: you can pretty much like season to taste. There's just so much going on.
0: Yeah, and the the best ones probably are heartstone and training grounds. Oh yeah, <laughs> because they make it so that you can get infinite mana off of the composite golem. And then from there, you can go ahead and activate Kenrith's other abilities and like, oh, you're going to draw out and I'm going to gain infinite life, etc., etc. I think this is a, a pretty cool commander. I like that it's political, but has a way to win. We've got a list for this. I wouldn't say it's tuned. It's basically, <laughs> we kind of just threw in the combo pieces, the tutors, the composite golem, and we didn't spend a whole lot of time focusing on interaction. It's just kind of single-mindedly going towards the combo but of course it's a good starting point for your list you can see what combo pieces are available and you can adjust to your liking so go ahead and check that link out in the episode description
1: so this is emery lurker of the lot she is a one two merfolk wizard for two and a blue She has, this spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. She also has, when Emery, Lurker of the Lock, enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Then also, one more thing, tap, choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn.
0: This is a really neat self-mill combo, Commander. Let's talk about some of the combo pieces that are available. (laughs) So the very best one is Mirren Spy. Mirren Spy is two and a blue for a 1-3 wizard, and whenever you cast an artifact spell, you can untap target creature. So with Emery, you can tap her, allow you to cast something out of your graveyard. That'll trigger the Mirren Spy, untap her, and you're back where you started, except you've cast something out of your graveyard. So as long as you have the mana, then you can keep going, keep casting things. That works really well with things like zero mana artifact creatures and sacrifice outlets for things like Lion's Eye Diamond, Lotus Petal. You can just keep casting Lotus Petal out of your graveyard over and over, generate infinite mana. A really crucial part of this deck is Walking Ballista. It's not only a zero mana artifact creature that you can trigger some things, get some combos going with, but it's also an outlet for the many, many ways that this deck generates infinite mana. Other combos, Thornbite Staff, works really well as a, an alternate mirin spy if you've got like the zero mana artifact creature sack outlet combo going stormbite staff is two mana to cast four mana to equip allows the thing to ping and whenever a creature dies you can untap the equipped creature intruder alarm also works in that sense just whenever a creature enters the battlefield untap all creatures so you can play your zero mana artifact creature untap emory, sack the zero mana artifact creature and then Recast it again to untap Emery. Assault Monolith Mesmeric Orb. That's a way to just mill your entire library. Milling your library is almost drawing your library. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it hits all the things that you want it to hit.
0: The finisher, if you can't win through the other combos, is going to be Emery plus Mindslaver. That one's a bit more mana intensive, but it's f- quite good at winning the game. Yeah,
1: you can win. You, you
0: can probably win. So, we've got a list for Emery. You can go ahead and check it out in the episode description. Let us know what you think. This is a rough list made within a couple days, so I'm sure there's room for improvement, but it should provide you a good template if you want to go forward with building this deck. So, this is Gadwick the Wizened. X blue, blue, blue for a 3 3 legendary human wizard. When he enters the battlefield, draw X cards. Whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non land permanent an opponent controls.
1: There's a bunch of like hubbub on Twitter about like, hey, this guy doesn't work, mm-hmm. and then they're like, no, of course he works. Like, we're gonna change something. So that's interesting, because normally when a card's on the stack, it has to have some way to reference the X on the stack. Like, once it's resolved and entered the battlefield,
0: mm-hmm. currently within the rules, there's no way for an X to translate into an enters the battlefield ability. It can only like translate yeah. into like entering the battlefield maybe with x plus one plus one counter. yeah
1: but i mean i think this is if you want to play mono blue control this guy does that mm-hmm. like it's kind of sad that he doesn't have more angles currently because he can't like tap your things or untap your things. you know like it has to be an uh, online permanent in opponent controls but seems like if you are super into like ambassador laquatus this guy seems probably better yeah i would say
0: he is a good outlet for infinite mana it is unfortunate that you can't tap your winner orb yep but another piece of tech that um seems pretty good for this guy is verity circle so two and a blue for an enchantment whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped if it isn't being declared as an attacker you may draw a card with gadwick on the battlefield essentially this means every time you cast a blue spell you get to tap something down and draw a card it is limited by the number of untapped creatures your opponents control, but it is yeah. like an awesome way to just cantrip off of everything you're casting. Which is
1: probably like some counter spells and cantrips on their own, like things that drew your cards in the first place. So you're probably just like reaping a bunch of benefit from it. The other thing too, just about him is just high tide and all the blue untap effects, the turnabouts and stuff can just make you a ton of mana. If you're not going to just pop off with him, you can just make a bunch of mana... Draw a bunch of cards. Draw a bunch of cards. Maybe
0: hopefully draw into the combo pieces you need. It seems like an interesting blue control commander with a combo finish.
1: This is Sir Eleonora the Discerning. So Sir Eleonora the Discerning is a star four. Uh, so star power for toughness. Human knight for three blue blue. Sir Eleonora the Discerning's power is equal to the number of cards in your hand. When she enters the battlefield, draw a card... And spells your opponent's cast that targets Sir Eleonora cost two more to cast. We've talked about a lot of bits of this card before. Do you want to mention them in
0: particular? <laughs> this card doesn't do much. Yeah, it
1: doesn't really do anything.
0: First off, it's not that interesting to build around ETB triggers on commanders. Yeah. Because yep. they're they're kind of all the same. You're running sort of the same kit and just swapping in different commanders. Uh, also, like as an ETB trigger, this one is not particularly strong. So yeah, it's, that's true. It's, so it's not a great reward for like running your conjurer's closets and your bounce engines and etc. Not loving that part of it. And then also, this doesn't really give you a lot of direction. It's it could potentially be like a seven plus power commander, but that's really not enough to be a good Voltron threat. Like seven power for five mana. That's it's not awesome. Also, it doesn't have haste. It doesn't have, like, effective protection against removal. Like, this ability spells your opponent's cast that target. It costs two more to cast. That's not really going to stop a swords if Sir Eleonora is going to...
1: Just kill whoever yeah. had the swords, I'll yeah. keep
0: the extra two mana open if it means that I won't die. Yeah, exactly. So she doesn't have haste, doesn't have good evasion, doesn't have effective protection. It's not a great Voltron commander, so I'm not really sure what direction you would go with this commander.
1: I think it's just Voltron, and it's just not super good. <laughs> mm. But we got some more commanders, so this is Ayara, first of Lockthwain. She is a 2-3 Elf Noble for black, 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 so three black. Whenever Ayara, first of Lockthwain or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. She also has tap, sacrifice another black creature, draw a card. The first tech is just, we talk about Thornbite staff a lot, we talked about it a few minutes ago, and you just you just use Thornbite Staff and a Black Creature. <laughs> yep. You can you can draw a lot of cards.
0: Yeah, it turns her into an unrestricted card draw engine. So with Ayara, you tap, sacrifice a black creature, Thornbite Staff untaps her, you back where you started, except you've converted a creature into a card. You can have like Phyrexian altar and grave crawler and a zombie and then you just like ping your opponents for infinite essentially. But overall it's a little hard to get excited about this card because it's so similar to Yoggmoth, ran physician
1: yeah and this is like a
0: standard power level yeah yeah Yawg-
1: exactly yeah and, and that kind of i think brings me to a point i want to make about ayara and like kind of the aristocrats archetype i think which tends to be a trap for a lot of new players because they tend to overvalue the like little chunks of damage that are done and when we're talking about this card, we're talking about you cast and sack Gravecrawler over and over and over again, you have infinite drain triggers, like to me, an AR list like there's gonna be some aristocrat aspects because she wants you to sack creatures and you want to get creatures back and stuff like that. But I feel like the difference is a lot of new players will just play out a board, then they run out of steam. One of the reasons that me and Nick don't like aristocrats to me aristocrats is should should be like control into like combo-y finish where you're draining everyone. Massive chunks with your little triggers, like a ton of little triggers over time. You're not just like sacking two guys a turn the whole game. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like I put Blood Artist in that Kenrith list because okay, I'll happily do this infinite times, but I I won't do it 39 times. (laughs) Like I have played plenty of games where somebody is is doing something along those lines. They're either playing an Aristocrat's deck. Or things like spell shock, things that mm. like do just a tiny amount of damage a bunch of times to every oh, single player. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that like that player will do a ton of damage, everyone's life total will get low and then they'll die first. Yeah, because and they're then, pissing
1: everyone off. Yeah,
0: and then everyone else is at like ten life and it's like, okay, I guess we'll just continue the game from here. Yeah. Like it's not a great strategy for winning because like those people, like you said, they end up going hell bent. On all these cards that don't replace themselves, and then yeah. all they do is like tick up d20s. I think that part of the reason that it's popular among newer players is that it feels like you're doing a lot. You are having a huge effect on like what direction these d20s are ticking. But in terms of like actually winning the game, it's not great at doing that unless yeah. you're doing it for infinite.
1: Exactly. There's a channel called Going Optimal. He plays Arena, and the idea is like he. Only bought the welcome pack for Arena, the five dollar like welcome bundle, and has not bought anything since. And is like talks about like how to optimally not just win but get gems and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he has a saying that he says all the time that's uh, one is not zero, and that's exactly how Aristocrats lists are. Like Mm -hmm. one is not zero. Like if they have one life, they're not dead. (laughs) You can't just get them part the way there. You have to get them all the way there. And I think a lot of Aristocrats lists just don't end up doing that so if you are thinking about making ayara aristocrats like really really take a hard look at like the card choices you're making and seeing like does this get me another card like does this progress my game plan am i just gonna sit here drain everyone for seven and die because i didn't actually have like a way to chain this together
0: she might actually be one of the best aristocrats commanders just because like by having it in the command zone you don't need to run all these other cards, mm-hmm. and if, and it's not the only thing that she does.
1: Yeah, and she does. Yeah, she. The fact that she draws you a card kind of takes away a lot of the inherent weakness that I was just talking about. So I do agree with you. I think she's probably the best aristocrats commander.
0: Oh, I really like this next commander. Yeah, this is Sir Kara the Bold. Three red, red for a three-three legendary human knight. Whenever Sir Kara the Bold or an instant or sorcery spell you control deals damage to a player. Exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. And then tap. Sir deals one damage to any target. This is a a great, interesting, unique archetype.
1: I really, really love this card.
0: So with Sir the name of the game is Cheap Spells That Hit Multiple Opponents. So things like an earthquake for one, you're putting in two mana in a four player game, you're hitting four players, so you get to exile the top four cards of your library. So two mana to essentially draw four cards is a crazy good rate. And there's a lot of cards like that in red, even just things that aren't earthquakes. We have a list that we're gonna be posting in the episode description. It feels very, very combo-y. And of course, because you're in red, you have access to a lot of rituals. You can also run fast mana artifacts that generate more mana than they cost. And by doing that, you can sort of like keep the combo going, keep paying for these burn spells, and draw more cards, etc. etc. One of the really good cards in this deck is Runaway Steamkin. It's one and a red for a 1-1 one, one elemental. Whenever you cast a red spell, put a counter on it, and you can remove three counters from it to add red, red, red. It doesn't work great with all the earthquake effects because like, <laughs> yeah. once you remove three counters, then it just dies instantly because of state-based effects. But if you're running things more like Flame Rift or um, Forked Bolt, things that only deal damage to players, then it basically like pays for most of those costs as you go along i would recommend checking out the list it's really fun feels really powerful and also feels very unique it's a a different experience from most other decks in commander
1: this next guy is kind of weird too spoiler alert this is like the most pushed four drop i've seen in so long so this is questing beast a 4-4 legendary beast for two and two green so cmc4 it has vigilance death touch and haste It can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. But wait, there's more. Whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. Ooh, boy. That's a lot of words. There's a lot of words there. Really, the only words there that you can kind of build off of are the damage prevention one. You can be a very proactive Fog deck. Really, most of the Fog decks that have existed, like Angus McKenzie or whatever, like, They're very passive, Mm -hmm. very pillow 40. This is very much mono green. I'm going to beat you and there's nothing you can do about
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, this is very good at making it so that all of your opponents are scared to get in combat with your guys Mm -hmm. because it's just not going to work out well for them. There
1: are just so many fogs in green now. Mm -hmm. You're almost guaranteed just to like have something and then if you ever just get a constant miss oh boy but i mean i think that the single best piece of tech bubble matrix
0: yeah bubble matrix so it's a four cost artifact it's on the reserve list so buy them up now prevent all damage that would be dealt to creatures so that works on preventing the damage that would be dealt to your creatures but the damage that your creatures deal to other creatures is not prevented
1: yeah they pretty much always win combat assuming they're big enough or death touchy enough
0: so aside from building around that Damage, prevention, prevention ability. (laughs) Uh, What about this commander do you think you could build around? What would you want to do with him?
1: If you just give this thing the ability to ping, you can just start shotgunning the board. Like the radiant longbow, classic old equipment. You just slap it on and all of a sudden it has tap deal one damage to any target if you get a thornbite staff you can just cut, cut, uh, and thornbite staff has the added ability like you have to pay two to ping but it untaps whenever something dies so i think this is the third time we've mentioned thornbite staff <laughs> hmm. this episode and honestly though like there's really not too much going on here other than that
0: he's, he's definitely not the most exciting of the commanders we've seen this week but that's that's okay Mm-hmm. We, we've gotten some good ones. I'm, I'll am i let him pass.
1: Yeah, I've actually been very happy with the, the commanders we've gotten so far in the set. Well,
0: so- we've got one more to talk about. It is Grumgully the Generous. One red-green for a 3-3 legendary goblin shaman. Each other non-human creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. How would you go about using this card?
1: I've been playing Kitchen Finks for so long. That whenever I see this ability, I'm like, oh, cool, it persists like enabler. And then it's funny to watch Twitter go like, wait, if you have a woodfall (laughs) prank. So I, I would definitely combo with this guy. So sack outlets, creatures with persist, you get infinite of the sack outlet that you're using. But you're kinda gonna be needing to run a little bit of value because there's just not too much in that way. Like every time I look up the persist creatures, I'm always like a little bit upset yeah. that there's so few of them.
0: There's only six persist creatures in these colors. There's only like six unrestricted sac outlets that yeah. you're really gonna wanna use. So that's not really enough to fill out a ninety nine card deck. No. So the way I went with the the remaining slots is just filled it out with token generators proliferate effects are actually pretty solid in this list
1: yeah yes uh, evolution sage yeah it's really nuts. even
0: like pollen bright sage yeah <laughs> which is just etb
1: you can put a counter on something or proliferate yeah Yep.
0: but it enters the battlefield with the counter because it's an elf druid it'll proliferate itself it'll proliferate everything else turns out
1: there's a lot of non-humans in magic there
0: are a lot <laughs> the list i built is only running one human and its peer Generally, the rest of the deck I, I built is more of like a straightforward, aggressive game plan. Yeah. But that list is going to be in the episode description if you want to take a look at that. You can, of course, use it as a template for your own deck. Maybe you want to go more towards the combo. My list doesn't have that many like tutors to find the Persist mm-hmm. creatures, so you can definitely make that a bit more consistent. One thing I want to talk about briefly, it's interesting that um, they have this limited theme of promoting non-human creatures. This isn't the only card in the set that does this. It seems to be like the red, green, limited archetype. But I'm wondering if we'll maybe see some human tribal along with it, because there are a lot of human token generators in this set. A human tribal commander is something that players have been asking for since like, what the first Innistrad block yeah yeah and they exactly keep failing to really deliver on it but this is a great opportunity for it there's also seems to be a little bit of seeding in standard there were human token generators in the the new Ravnica block as well so I'm really hoping that that will get something because honestly like some tribes need a commander that does like heavy heavy lifting to, yeah to make it work like ninja tribal or, or cat tribal whatever but humans, because they've been around for so long, because there's literally thousands of humans printed, and there's so many good ones by this point, they just need like a little bit of a incentive.
1: Yeah, just something to kind of unify them, yeah. uh, instead of just like really, really push it.
0: Excited to, to see that. Hopefully, we get to see Human Tribal next week. Well, who knows?
1: So, we got a Planeswalker. Um, so, this is the Royal Scions. Five loyalty legendary Planeswalker, Will and Rowan, for one blue-red, plus one... Draw a card, then discard a card. Plus 1. Target creature gets plus 2, plus 0, and gains first strike, and trample until end of turn. Minus 8. Draw 4 cards. When you do, the Royal Scions deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. Whenever I see these Planeswalkers that don't give a creature an ability till your next turn, I'm always so sad because, like, okay, yeah, you're promoting aggression, but at what cost? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like and then just drawing a card and discarding a card you can do that at better rates you can do that in these colors in these yeah, colors absolutely. like way easier so i'm not i'm not super jazzed and then the the old the minus eight
0: not only is it like incredibly difficult like four turns to get there but like it's not even that busted you could definitely get this effect much more easily for way way less effort and over less time it's no oko i'll say yeah that.
1: yeah so sad But now we're into main deck cards, or non-legendary main deck cards. (laughs) This is Deafening Silence, an enchantment for a single white mana. Each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell each turn. This is the most pushed I think they've put this effect, because this is specifically calling out certain archetypes, and it's very good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and stopping those archetypes
0: yeah i think it's extremely meta dependent like if your meta has a whole bunch of storm decks this is Mm -hmm. very very potent against that archetype i'd say the main problem with a silver bullet card like this is that you definitely need to be running other colors that can help you find it because like white doesn't have a lot of great ways to dig it out of your hundred card deck you've got enlightened tutor you've got idyllic tutor name a third card. It's just not something that you can reliably get early enough in the game to have it actually keep you from dying. Yeah, you
1: don't want to get this with your Academy Rector. I'm just very impressed that they uh, went this hard on this kind of silver bullet. Because, like, rule of law, it hits all cards. Like, everyone can just play one spell a turn. But this, for one, like, this is going to wreck not even specifically just storm decks. Like, if you have, like, a Tauran deck in your meta. If you have, like, a niv deck that's just going to... Play a bunch of spells there's a lot of archetypes that just cast two spells every turn and you kind of shut them off
0: this is giant killer i guess i'll read it in the order you're likely to play it so it's an adventure card the adventure is chop down two and a white instant adventure destroy target creature with power four or greater then exile this card you can cast the creature later from exile the creature itself is giant killer a single white mana for a one two human peasant and you can pay one and a white, tap it, to tap target creature. I think that the removal spell, it's going to find targets in an average game of Commander. They're not always going to be the most important creatures. Like if somebody's got kiki conscripts going, you're not going to be able to hit that. But it'll get value.
1: I think this will be a relevant kill spell in like most metas. Like there's going to be something on the board with four power in in most games. Mm-hmm. It just might not be what you want.
0: Yeah, but, like, Big Game Hunter has been good. I expect that this will be just fine as well. And, Mm -hmm. like, tapping stuff down is not usually worth a card in Commander, but the fact that it's an after effect of something that, like, actually will probably be fine in Commander. I could see me running this in a deck that had some sort of Commander that really incentivized what this was doing. So if we ever did get Human Tribal... yeah. I'd consider running this.
1: I'm going to say this here because it's the first adventure we're talking about today. But I do think that the fact that, like, raised dead effects are getting back these spells as well. I think that's interesting. So I'm going to keep my eye on, like, ways to abuse that, if that makes sense.
0: No, I really like that, too. Like, the idea of casting chop down then casting giant killer, sacrificing, and then getting it back with like a Phyrexian reclamation.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Um, there are a lot of ways to regrow creatures, and the fact that this is like instant speed interaction. Yeah. Yeah that is on a creature seems awesome like what I'm what I'm really looking forward to is seeing like a naturalized adventure that would be so good
1: I'm super into that as well so that that's kind of what I'm looking for I'm looking for like some effect that I can abuse and we've gotten some almost there ones but this is the first one that made me go okay yeah I, I could see you getting this back a bunch of times yeah that seems cool
0: the instant speed adventures are very very compelling
1: The next one, uh, this is a big one. This is one of the mythics in the set. Harmonious Archon, a 4-5 flying Archon for 4 and 2 white. Non-Archon creatures have base power and toughness 3-3. When Harmonious Archon enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 white human creature tokens. If your deck liked Elish Norn, you'll probably like this, is my guess. Except this gives you tokens and can goober up some other plans, and also, like, probably makes most of your tokens much bigger. Like, this is an anthem for most token lists, especially white ones. Mm
0: -hmm. So, one of the great things about Elish Norn is just the fact that, like, your 1-1s trade with their 5-5s. I mean, that's what this does, too. Yeah. Like, no matter how big their creatures are, they're going to trade with the 1-1 core soldier that you got 6 of for 5 mana. Yeah. Another place where this could be a good piece of tech, Oros the Avenger so uh if you're not familiar with that it's three white black red for a six six flying dragon when he deals combat damage
1: to a player you may pay two and a white if you do oros deals three damage to each non-white creature
0: so all creatures including the non-white ones are going to be three three so oros will just slaughter all non-white creatures so funny when he hits so that seems like a, a fun way to to use that commander But I think that's all I have to say about Harmonious Archon, other than, you know, more conspicuous human token generation. Into the story. Five blue-blue for an instant. This spell costs three less to cast if an opponent has seven or more cards in their graveyard. Draw four cards.
1: This is a very good rate if you can get the seven or more cards in their graveyard to happen. But that's not that hard to do you can kind of just wait until you're getting it for the good rate like that'll just eventually happen even if you're not trying to build with it even if you're not like making people mill or anything like that so oh, yeah
0: absolutely like the fact that you've got three opponents somebody is going to be getting cards in their graveyard it's, mm-hmm. it's just something that happens i like it it's a little boring and mm-hmm. i think i Do prefer similar cards that you have more control over so for example like delve draw spells like a treasure cruise it's so much easier to build your deck around like i'm going to use my own graveyard as a resource versus like i have no idea what my opponents are doing but i hope they're playing self mill
1: (laughs) or hope someone wrath so that someone the person who put all the creatures out gets seven cards in their graveyard exactly
0: Uh, So this is definitely something that, like, you will for sure be able to get the cost reduction over the course of a game, but if you're playing a deck that needs early game card draw, then I would consider looking elsewhere, because you're not guaranteed to cast this on turn four or whatever.
1: So the next card is Mirror Maid. This is an enchantment. It costs one blue blue. You may have Mirror Maid enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or enchantment on the battlefield.
0: This is great. It's really not hard to build a deck with, you know, mana rocks and utility enchantments that are good in multiples. And of course, like just over the course of a game of Commander, your opponents are probably also going to be casting relevant artifacts and enchantments. I'm a fan of this card. I'm hoping to pick them up. There's a, just a bunch of archetypes in which it's going to be good.
1: Next card is Stolen by the Fae this is x blue blue for a sorcery return target creature with converted mana cost x to its owner's hand you create x one one blue fairy creature tokens with flying
0: i don't think this is good enough for alila the new flying tribal commander i think if there were ever like a fairy tribal commander this um, would probably have to make the cut like there's just so few good fairy token generators but i just don't know if there's a place for it right now like nobody really cares about fairies nobody cares that much about creatures with flying or enough that i would run this over like a good artifact or enchantment that would trigger alila this will probably find a home one day but it's not ready yet
1: really the the key is like caring about the fairies not caring about the bounce like the bounce almost is like kind of superfluous mm-hmm. like i would rather this have just like given me a better rate for fairy creation
0: oh i agree This is the Magic Mirror. Six blue, blue, blue for a legendary artifact. This spell costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. You have no maximum hand size. And at the beginning of your upkeep, put a knowledge counter on the Magic Mirror. Then draw a card for each knowledge counter on the Magic Mirror. So this card has an analog... It's very, very similar to Mind Unbound, which is an old jammin. Yeah, At this point.
1: And six mana for the same effect. At the beginning of your upkeep, you put a counter on it, and then you draw a card for each counter on it. There was a card I played with a lot back in the day, like years ago, like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um have basically just ended up cutting from all of my decks. Yeah, it's very, very slow. Like it when it's working, it's incredibly Powerful because once you get that third turn, you're like, okay, six cards for six mana. But at that point, it's been three turns. Like, you eventually win just because, like, if you draw way more cards than everyone, you win. But it was not not the best.
0: If you look on EDH Rec, it sees play in less than 1% of all decks with a blue color identity. So it's not a format staple, it's not a great card.
1: I know that you're down on this. I actually do like this more than Mind Unbound, though. One of the problems with Mind Unbound is that it just cost six, and it was an enchantment, and it just sat there. This one, at least, like, if you're looting, if you're rummaging, if you're milling, you can can kind of put it in a deck that can build around it a little bit more, and I like that.
0: I made a really bad argument on a couple social media platforms which is that i think this is worse than mind unbound when i should have been saying like this is just bad
1: yeah yeah exactly like i i'm probably not gonna end up putting this in any decks
0: it could potentially be three mana that's true but only in like specific archetypes like most decks in commander aren't going to be able to like easily get six instance and sorceries in their graveyard very quickly
1: yeah no this is not gonna you don't just jam this in every deck yeah
0: so this is like a spell slinger payoff but the thing is like spell slinger has like way better payoffs like you can just (laughs) win the game with spell combos you can be like recurring time warps you can be like i'm gonna reiterate my reset and get infinite mana and kill you There's just way, way better things you could be doing than, like, I'm going to pay three blue mana for this legendary artifact, and it's not going to do anything. And then next turn, it will have drawn me one card, and then the turn after that, it will have drawn me two cards. And it's like, this isn't even an instant or sorcery that, like, synergizes with what your deck's plan is. This isn't going to, like, get you an experience counter with Mizzix. Oh yeah. You're not going to be able to copy it off of Melek. It's just not what your deck wants to be doing. Like, you could be running Windfall. You could be running Time Spiral. The amount of cards you can get off of Windfall in one turn is equivalent to...
1: Three or four turns with this.
0: Yeah. And and Windfall triggers stuff. Windfall... (laughs) No, yeah. Does what you want to be doing.
1: That's totally true. Why did they pick this for this mythic slot? I don't know.
0: And also, being an artifact means that it's pretty easy to interact with. Like, three colors have good efficient artifact removal people can interrupt it before you've really gotten any value on it i'm gonna work really hard to fill my graveyard to cast this thing it's not gonna do anything before i untap my opponent's gonna nature's claim it <laughs> this was a good use of my card slot <laughs> whereas like what are they gonna do about your windfall anyway one thing i do want to mention is like this is clearly part of a cycle now there's like five courts in eldraine yeah Each one apparently has its own mythic, legendary artifact. They all cost one less to cast for something. Yeah. So the white one was the number of knights you control. The red one was the number of... Attacking creatures. Attacking creatures. This is the number of instant sorceries. So there's likely two remaining. I have not yet finished the novel, but they give a clue as to what the black one is. It's basically like a Holy Grail type thing. They call it the Cauldron of Eternity. It appears to grant immortality, so that's okay. Okay. So that's an idea of what the black one might do. I think it, maybe it's like one less to cast for each creature in your graveyard. Probably something something, some,
1: something like that. Yeah. The other thing about this is, I really do think this is a flavor fail because this is the Magic Mirror, and I don't see anything in this card that makes me think of a mirror. Like, why doesn't this make tokens of creatures?
0: Or even, like, why doesn't it do what it did in Snow White? There are ways, mechanically, to, like, make it feel like you're asking a question or that something is, like, providing mm-hmm. an answer to you. And But they're more complex than just, I'm going to draw increasing numbers of cards.
1: Yeah. So, do you remember when we brought up adventures that you could recur? They uh, made sure you couldn't do that with this next card. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. So, this is Murderous Rider. So, the adventure is Swift End one black black instant destroy target creature or planeswalker you lose two life and the creature side is a two three zombie knight with lifelink for one and two black when murderous rider dies put it on the bottom of its owner's library
0: so basically like if you want to be recurring this spell in some sort of grindy fashion you need to be able to recur it at instant speed So that you could do it in response to the trigger. I mean, there's ways to do that. Like Phyrexian Reclamation, that'll do it. Tortured Existence will do it. There's Um, a few of them. Volrath Stronghold. Another thing you could do is if you have blue in your color identity, then you can use a bounce engine. I was
1: going to say bouncing it, yeah. Yeah,
0: like Crystal Shard or Portal of Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. But here's why we think it's good swift end is very very similar to hero's downfall it's basically the same card except it exiles itself and you you lose two life yep but hero's downfall sees play in almost fifteen thousand decks on eds so many yeah it is solidly a format staple and while murderous rider like has some weird drawbacks relative to hero's downfall (laughs) all the things we mentioned all the ways you can recur it that you couldn't with hero's downfall and make it so that in a, a graveyard focus deck or a bounce focus deck you can get a lot more value off of it and you can just keep sniping your opponent's creatures and uh, getting a lot of value off of a single card
1: if you have some way of tutoring creatures then you can just keep killing things with him
0: i was just thinking it's it's fine as like a split card like i need three drop zombies for my Verena deck if i'm trying to curve off this could be that or later in the game if i top deck it it's an answer to what my opponents are doing Mm -hmm. like that deck needs to run a ton of zombies so like finding ways to interact with your opponents while not diluting your zombie count is pretty good
1: so this is wish claw talisman it costs one in a black wishclaw talisman enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it one tap remove a wish counter from wishclaw talisman search your library for a card put it into your hand then shuffle your library an opponent gains control of wishclaw talisman activate this ability only during your turn so some things to note about this there's goober ways to like avoid this Untap it or sacrifice it. yeah you can untap it you can sacrifice it you can bounce it but really there's a place where this is best and it's it's just a combo deck
0: rather than trying to like break this card how about you just break it by getting the combo piece that kills your opponents like how many times is your opponent going to be able to activate it if they're dead and the great thing is like even if you can only kill one opponent
1: you yeah, just give it to that person give
0: it that opponent and then because of the way like control changing effects work when a player dies and they have something that somebody else owns it just goes back to the owner there you go that's how you break yeah, it yeah there you go but yeah i think this card is awesome i would happily run this in any combo deck like it's this is the most efficient tutor we've seen in a very yeah long time. yeah they
1: really strayed away from tutors and this is a very very nice gift in that regard
0: yeah like just two in a black to get anything cool
1: so we mentioned a uh, red artifact a legendary artifact uh, this is ember cleave it's four red red for a legendary artifact equipment. It has flash. This spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control. And when Embercleave enters the battlefield, attach it to a creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus one plus one and has double strike and trample. Uh, it also has equip of three. I think like Jor hitting for 18 trample is probably the only place that I thought to do that because that's you're going kind of wide and then also can just kill somebody
0: else. That could be good.
1: That was the one place that I thought of. Um, I think you had some other ones, but it's a weird grouping of abilities. All these legendary artifacts do, though. It's so strange.
0: So the magic mirror is the one that is like least narrow, but both the white one and this one are like asking you to do two different things. And there's not a lot of decks that overlap like this one. The cost reduction is based on you going wide. But the reward is going tall. Like, if you're running a dedicated Voltron deck that would be interested in double strike, you probably don't have a lot of other attacking creatures. So that really limits the utility of this card. Yeah. The only commanders I could really think of that are like, okay, they're red, they want to deal combat damage with their commander, but they also probably have other creatures hanging around are Washitora, the mm-hmm, Nikoru mm-hmm. Queen, the one that, like, when she hits you, you either sack. A creature, and if you can't, then the Washitora's owner gets a three-three cat dragon. So she makes tokens. She likes hitting multiple times. That makes sense. Gishath also like when he hits you, you get a whole bunch of dinosaurs, so you can attack with those other dinosaurs, decrease the cost of Embercleave, and then get
1: twice as many dinos. Probably kill someone.
0: Yeah, those are the the two decks I was thinking that could be interested in this, but it is an extremely narrow card. All right, this next card is Fires of Invention. Three and a red for an enchantment. You can only cast spells during your turn, and you cannot cast more than two spells each turn. You can cast spells with converted mana cost less than or equal to the amount of land you control without paying their mana costs.
1: Can you cast, like, Living End and stuff with this? Yes, you can. But the
0: problem is Living End is not good on its own in the games where you don't draw Fires of Invention. Exactly.
1: Basically, this card's really actually hard to bust. It's basically bad omniscience notable things. It like fixes mana kind of hard to break. I guess if we think of something, we'll let you know on another episode.
0: (laughs) If you can think of a cool way to use fires of invention, please let us know as it stands. I just don't think it's that breakable. I think they did a good job of making it so that nothing insane is going to be happening. This is red cap melee. It is a single red mana for an instant Red cap melee deals 4 damage to target creature or planeswalker. If a non-red permanent is dealt damage this way, you sacrifice a land. Clearly it does have a drawback, but I think you have to evaluate this card in the context of other red spot removal spells. Like the best red spot removal spells are like chaos warp and then like a braid, maybe lightning bolt, but there's just really not much out there that can deal significant damage at instant speed for cheap like electron dominance is basically your best bet but that also requires you to keep a bunch of mana open and have a way to fully utilize the free spell that it grants you so with red cap melee it's just really simple it's unconditional removal it kills like 14 of the 21 most popular commanders on edh rec it kills the vast majority of the most popular creatures I think that in color identities that like don't have access to, say, black spot removal or even like blue spot removal, if you're in like mono-red or red-green, I would definitely run this card because it's just great interaction. It can stop your opponents from comboing off. It can stop a commander from doing something really busted. It's well worth the downside of sacrificing a land, I think.
1: Yeah, if something is going to kill you that early, especially...
0: So this is Robber of the Rich. It is one in a red for a 2-2 human archer rogue. It has reach and haste, and when it attacks, if defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of their library. During any turn you attacked with a rogue, you may cast that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. What do you think of Robin Hood?
1: It's just a lot harder to do then grenzo havoc razor like mono red grenzo yeah there's a lot of ways to just get cards from your opponents in red at this point or just get cards on your own Mm -hmm. in red
0: the fact that it's like only one card a turn and they have to have more cards in hand than you that's a pretty narrow restriction it's cool that you can potentially cast the cards on later turns that's always nice But, like you said, there's not that many decks that are naturally going to be running a lot of rogues in red. So, I'm not crazy about this card. If I wanted this effect, I would just go to Grenzo, Havoc, Razor, because then I can get a whole bunch of free cards off of my opponent's library.
1: Yeah, there's just like too many who, like, defending player has to have more cards in hand. It attacks. Then you can exile the top card of their library. And then if you attacked with a rogue, you can cast the spell. So, I mean, like, in essence, If someone has more cards in hand than you and you attack with this guy, you can cast that spell this turn. But, like, why? The uh, next one is Jousting Dummy. So, Jousting Dummy is a 2-1 Scarecrow Knight. It's an artifact creature for 2. It has 3. Jousting Dummy gets plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn. Why did we bring this card up?
0: I don't even know why you bothered reading the text box. Like, once we knew <laughs> it was a two CMC Scarecrow, it's like, okay.
1: Yeah, it's just cheaper than most other Scarecrows.
0: So it's going to fit into this Reaper King, and that's it. And uh,
1: the next card is actually cool.
0: Dance of the Mance. X, white, blue for a sorcery. Return up to X target artifact and or non-aura enchantment cards, each with converted mana cost to X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If X is six or more, those permanents are 4-4 four, four creatures in addition to their other types. This card seems great.
1: No, I, I love this card. The fact that we've had so few options for artifact and enchantment, especially enchantment recursion over
0: the years. Especially mass artifact yes, recursion. Yes,
1: Yeah, is... Um, a crime, and this is giving a little bit of that back.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like a one sided open the vaults to me. Mm-hmm. Seems very good.
1: Yeah, if you spend seven, get five things. They don't become animated, which is key because I don't actually want my guys to yeah. be four fours. That's a ton of value. And like Roar Reclamation was like, gets all artifacts back for seven. Mm hmm. And that was always fine, but you can cast it earlier. Like the, I, I like the versatility like on this it, card.
0: Doing it for X's three doesn't mm-hmm. seem terrible.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I do actually really like this. And then the option to make them four fours if you do have eight mana or more. The fact that that is available to you, I actually like too, because there is going to be cases where it's like, all right, everybody, we're in top deck mode. Here we go. And now they have to deal with your six or more four fours.
0: Yeah, it definitely felt like, OK, people aren't going to get the joke of like, be or whatever Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if they don't have a way to animate these chairs and clocks and whatever, it felt very intentional of them to make it so it's six or more. So like re- realistically, like getting back five things with CMC five or less, that's probably going to be enough value. You're probably going to be happy with that. So it's really like completely optional whether you want to make these guys creatures or not. And I, I agree with you. I would, in most cases, I would probably opt not to do that. Just because like, you know, anyone who's played with Opalescence or Starfield, oh, of Starfield, Nix, of Nix. Oh, Starfield boy. and Nix. I know they ruined the card yeah. by making it animate your stuff. It just uh, makes why? it goes from being like the, the hardest permanent type to kill to the least difficult.
1: The next card, this is Fae Burrow Elder. This is a 0-0 zero, zero folk Druid for 1 green-white. It has Vigilance. Fae Burrow Elder gets plus 1, plus 1 for each color among permanents you control. Tap for each color among permanents you control. Add 1 mana of that color. Basically, a 3 mana bigger Vigilance Bloom Tender. I don't know if you've been paying attention to Bloom Tender, but they're, uh, scarce they're hard to come by nowadays
0: yeah they're about 50 bucks i want to set expectations for mm-hmm. Fabro elder finhorn elder is two and a green for a one one taps for green green that's not a good card <laughs> green weaver <laughs> druid it's the same thing not a good yeah. card i don't think that in green a three cost mana dork that taps for two mana is worth running but i think that Lanawar tribe is worth running if you're in like mono green and i think that Somberwald sage is worth running if you're in just a deck with a lot of creatures yeah a three mana dork that taps for three mana i can really get behind
1: yeah i'm super into that too
0: so fabero elder in a deck with three or more colors i would definitely support that like casting him on turn 3 and then turn 4 having access to seven mana seems incredible
1: and that's on top of like the fact that you will have decks that want a second bloom tender i think they're gonna be a chase rare in this set as sad as that is
0: yeah i'm gonna pick up one or two there are eight color identities i can use it i would run it in seven i wouldn't run in celestia yeah
1: yeah the two color one what are you hoping to see this last week of spoilers
0: let's take a second and just figure out cycle completion i'm hoping that the remaining legendary artifacts don't try to pull you in multiple directions I really don't like that about the Circle of Loyalty or Embercleave. Let's just get a single focused thing that's better than the Magic Mirror and see how that works. I think we're missing some of the uncommon legendary creatures. Is that right?
1: Yes, we don't have the green one and we don't don't have have the white one. The white one, yeah.
0: Honestly, I just hope they continue in the vein of the other ones. Like Sir Kara is pretty interesting. Sir Conrad is
1: yes yeah, sir conrad is cool clearly
0: can be built in a cool direction and then i would really like to see some human tribal
1: i guess that's the big one huh is just crossing fingers for some human tribal
0: there may also be this cycle of ccc because we have gadwick the Wizened, we have ayara first of lockthwain so it's possible that we'll also see like a red rare legendary creature green oh, rare yeah. legendary yeah, creature a white true. one with just triple mana colors That's exciting, too. I'm hoping that we'll get some good mono color rewards, especially, especially mono white. Actually, the fact that mono white has two legendary creatures that we have not yet seen, that's what I'm pinning most of my hopes on.
1: Yeah, because all the legendary creatures have been pretty cool. I've been kind of underwhelmed by main deck cards this set. The legendary creatures have been red.
0: Yeah, it felt like they were maybe turning the dial back on the power level, trying to like reset it because it was a bit high in the new Ravnica block.
1: I kind of view standard power level as like sliders. And one of the things they did because guilds was pretty kind of, kind of boring design, like guilds and, uh, and Ravnica Mm allegiance. It was really just pumping up the power level on these multicolor cards yeah, And that is, like, that's cool, I guess. We got some staples, whatever. But I think as they, like, move the sliders back so that, like, the overall power rating on Standard kind of stays even, I think this set is really setting stuff up for Theros. So I think when Theros comes out, like, Standard is going to kind of jump back up in power but not because theros itself is super powerful i think they're trying to weave in a lot more synergy
0: it's just really unfortunate because like eldraine does seem kind of weak i mean i don't play standard so i guess I, I shouldn't care yeah but eldraine does seem kind of weak and standard is about to be very small like when eldraine rotates in it's mm. just eldraine the most recent core set and this ravnica block of sets and it feels like eldraine is just not going to have any impact because like, well, there's all these sweet multicolor cards and you have really good mana bases because you got shocks. And I think that you're right. It may be not until we see Theros and Devotion and really get payoff for all these monocolored cards that they're setting up in Eldraine Yeah. that we're going to see standards significantly change. But again, like this isn't a standard podcast, whatever.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess the the thing I'm hoping for is the white legends. And if we don't get it, in Eldraine, I really want to see in Theros, like, a good enchantment sack outlet.
0: Oh, I, I'm sure we'll see that. Like,
1: there. sometime in the next year, please.
0: So I'm hoping for instant speed adventures that are useful in Commander. Yeah, so yeah. So just, like, a disenchant, a naturalize attached to, like... Something, something. yeah. Something. And then, like, just to talk a little bit about why I want the White Commanders. We haven't really talked about this, but, like... White commanders are very bad. You look on EDH rec, there are a ton of SRAM decks, and then it just falls off precipitously. I mean, if
1: if you listen to our EDH rec deep dive, we did talk about it there. Just like mono white is just vastly less popular than the other mono colors. Mm
0: -hmm. Hopefully Wizards has recognized that and is using this opportunity to print some commanders that'll get people more excited about mono white.
1: I totally agree. I think there's really no reason mono white has to be so far behind all the other colors, especially at this point, especially when they're giving red all of this new tech and like really widening what it can do as a color, especially in late game. White has been the super wide puddle that just stretches for a long time. You're like, oh, this is really cool. Too bad. It's only right here.
0: Yeah. Too bad. There's only one card that does this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so maybe, maybe someday.
0: Before we go, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amon, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Brock, Tom, The Whiteclays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, and Andy. Thank you all for your support. You keep the lights on here in the studio. And uh, if you are not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, go to patreon.com slash commandertheory thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr the opening song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check him out on soundcloud we'll talk to you guys next time